Rory beat up a Gracie. Next week's main event is fucking crazy. With the fired selections and the fired reflections. This is fighting with myself. Oh, oh, oh. Fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody? I fucking missed you guys. I said it. Don't make it weird. Welcome to another episode of the Fighting With Myself podcast. A podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and uh, let's get things started. Before I get into these fights, just a quick recap of uh, how my play went for anybody interested. It was fucking incredible. Um, We just had the best uh, crowd we've ever had tonight, and they were just like fucking cheering. They were like, oh my god, you're so funny. Ah." They were just like, like, people were like taking their tops off. Like, it was crazy. That's that's a true story, by the way. But I had I had a lot of fun with this one. I got to do a, a British uh, dialect, and uh, I on the first day of rehearsals, I walked in and I I told the director I said, "Listen, I'm doing it in this dialect, and there's nothing you can do about it." And they were like, "Wow, well, I wish you wouldn't." And I was like, "Well, if I can't do it, then I'll fucking leave." And they're like, "Oh, we can't do it without you." So, okay. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's how it fucking goes around here. All joking aside, it was uh, really, really good. And I'm I'm grateful for anyone that came and um, watched. But those people don't fucking listen to this podcast. So, whatever. Dude. Bellator 222. If you care about Bellator as, as a promotion, it was kind of a weird-ass night. But if you care about fighting... It was fucking awesome. Just like good fights all around. I mean, some great things happened, which we'll get into. Fucking Kyoji Horiguchi made history. I have a lot of thoughts on that. It's kind of crazy. But um, let me not get too ahead of myself here. So I, I didn't watch the prelims. I'll be honest with you guys, but I watched the main card. Well, I did watch. So I, I, I tuned in for the Aaron Pico fight. Um, man. And here's the thing, like whenever whenever Pico loses, like people put him on like the media and everyone, they put him on such a pedestal, and he's supposed to be like the fucking LeBron James of MMA, like this prodigy and like all this stuff, and he had all this hype behind him, and so when he loses, they just like knock him down, like you're trash, uh, you're fucking not gonna put anything together, and I'm and I'm like, I think the jury's still out on this kid. I think he's young. He's talented. I think what really needs work is his fight IQ. And because he has the body, I mean, even Scott Coker said in his post-fight uh, press conference, uh, not a press conference, but a little backstage interview with Ariel, he was saying that he had a chat with Aaron and Aaron was saying like, oh yeah, I know how to wrestle. I know how to box. I just need to learn how to fight. Like he needs to learn to put everything together. Like, you know, and here's the thing is everyone's like, it's like you can't have your cake, you need it too. Like they had Dylan Dennis on this card where they just gave him a little a, a can, quite frankly, which they should. And everyone's like, you know, oh, he should be fighting um, stiffer competition. And yet, yet at the same time, Aaron Pico is like getting thrown to the wolves, which they've said openly they have had trouble finding Aaron Pico fights. Like they're, they're, 
their goal with him was was to do the slow build like they usually do. His first fight was in Madison Square Garden two years ago, debuted at lightweight. He's now a featherweight, but he debuted at lightweight against Zach Freeman because who was like eight and two at the time, kind of you know pretty solid record for an up and coming fighter. And um, their goal was to get someone like one and oh, two and oh, whatever, uh, against Aaron. And no one would fucking sign the fight because of how good everyone thought he was. And it took someone like Zach Freeman to come and spoil the party. Uh, and then he went down to Featherweight and then he, he killed it. He went on a four fight win streak, all finishes, I believe. Maybe one decision there, but I believe they're all finishes. And then his last fight before this one, he fights. Um, Henry Corrales, who's fucking good, by the way, you know, so it's not about Aaron Pico being bad, and they engage in this firefight, and he just KOs Aaron Pico clean, and so Aaron Pico says, well, maybe I should go back to my wrestling, you know, I've got some stuff to work on, and in this fight uh, against Adam Borix, he fucking wrestled, and was winning most of the fight, and then gets brutally knocked out, quite frankly, and everyone's like, oh, fuck him now. He's four and three, which sucks. Like, I almost don't even count his first fight. Like, that was just like a mistake. He rushed in and got strangled with this fucking guillotine by Zach Freeman. And um, like I said, he should not have been fighting someone eight and two as an O and O fighter. Like, the commission almost didn't sanction that. They had to, you know, prove he, he had an extensive amateur career with like pancreation fights and golden gloves and all that stuff. Like they had to like actually dig deep in his, in his past for that. So I almost don't count the, the, the Zach Freeman fight is, you know, he was four and two going into this. That's not a bad record. Like four and three doesn't sound that great, but he just got there. So let's, let's give him some time. Uh, because he is in a major promotion like Bellator, it's going to be harder for them to find matches, but maybe maybe people are starting to see some of the weaknesses, so he'll have an easier time. I don't know, but I'm not ready to write him off. I think he should go back to the drawing board, take some time off, heal his fucking brain, and, uh, and come back stronger. But moving on to the main card, we had Kyoji Horiguchi defeating Darian Caldwell via unanimous decision. Weird that a cross-promotional title fight was opening the main card. Like, uh, what? I mean, this is... A fighter had the chance to make history, and they did. And that's the curtain jerker for the main card? Bellator, what are you doing? So I just thought that was weird. You know... And while we're at it, I I think there was cause for Darian Caldwell to win this fight. However, I'm glad they gave it to to Gooch, to Kyoji Horiguchi. When I say cause, like I I think like most of you on on Twitter I was noticing was worried that they were gonna give it to Caldwell. Because of the fucking lay and pray. And I hate to call it that because, you know, whatever. It's, you know, you gotta... But he wasn't doing anything. I mean, I don't know if you saw Ben Askren saying, Hey, big fan of Caldwell, but they should stand this up. When Ben 
Askren is calling for a stand-up, dude? That's when you know it's fucked up. And he was just laying there. So I was like, man, I hope they're they're not going to give it to him because of that. But Kyoji Horiguchi rightfully won. And I just love, like... He's a fucking flyweight dude, and Darian Caldwell just fought at featherweight not too long ago. He's a he's a big bantamweight, so for for him to get it done against the bigger guy, I just I just love that. I love when the smaller guy wins, um, except for when that guy's name is Henry Cejudo, but that's not important. Um, but Kyoji, um, he just looks so like so happy when he wins. He's like, yeah, I love it. I can't get enough. And this is crazy. So, Bellator, um, Scott Coker. And uh, I believe his name is Saka Kibara, the CEO or um, president of Ryzen in Japan, have a relationship that dates back to um, Scott running Strikeforce back in the day. Uh, he needed a main event for a show, and he turned to Saka Kibara for help. And Saka Kibara lent him Overeem and Vitor Belfort, and then um, that's where the relationship began. And... Uh, They've been doing sort of cross-promotional things ever since. Coker sent King Mo to to fight in the um, open weight tournament a couple years ago. He fought Crow Cop, uh, which was insane. And so there was just a lot of uh, a lot of stuff they've done over the years. Biggest one was this one. Recently, he sent Darian Caldwell over there to uh, um, to fight Kyoji Horiguchi. Kyoji finished him, I believe, and like uh, submitted him, I think. Which was in a ring, and so um, Ryzen they find like a sort of like a boxing ring. Obviously, Bellator's a cage, and I think that threw Darren Caldwell off a lot. Um, that said, credit to Gucci did get a, a legit win then, and so I was expecting Caldwell to do better this time, and he did. But I think we really saw that Kyoji is the better fighter, and uh, this needs to happen more often. It's such a shame that the architecture of MMA is such that promotions can only fight within each other. Like, they need to do more of this, dude. Cross-pollination. Sounds fucking creepy, but they just they just got to do it. Because, ha- like, this sport was made to find out who's the best. Who's the best of the best? And and, and if, if you're confined to weight classes, if you're confined to... I mean, weight classes exist for a reason, but I'm just saying, you know... Um, if people don't jump around often enough, you don't really get to see who's the best. But more importantly, if you're confined to promotions and and you only have a champ, a promotional champion rather than a world champion, you you can never really find out who's the best. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, given that he's a multi-promotional, you know, simultaneous champion, Kyoji Horiguchi is the best bantamweight in the world, dude. That's it. That's it. Until until the UFC and Scott Coker can fucking get things right. Until Dana White can um, put on his big boy pants and um, work out a deal with Scott Coker where they can do a fucking Henry Cejudo versus Kyoji Horiguchi, we're just going to have to call Kyoji the best man in the world because that's the only fucking proof we have. And that's it. He's the best. That's how I feel about that. But the guy who should get the next shot at his belt is Juan Archuleta. Dude, that KO was great. I mean, that was like... It kind of reminded me, like not in the in the fashion, because this was an elbow, but it reminded me of um, Matt Brown versus Diego Sanchez. Like he just folded them up, and it was kind of like midair almost. Like 
uh, Dantas comes in for a knee, I believe. It was almost like a jump knee. And Juan blocked it with like his knee, kind of, and then came with an overhand right and just slept him. I mean, how good is that guy? He's on like an 18-fight winning streak now. I mean, just, just insane. He's like, I don't know, the fucking... Khabib of Bellator, not really. Obviously, he's he's got one loss, but oh my god, if they don't give him a title shot now, it's criminal. I mean, he's like, you know what he is? He's the fucking Tony Ferguson of bantamweights, is what he is, dude. That's it. He should run with that. I mean, maybe not really, because Tony's a little crazy and not getting a title shot at the moment. But he should. And they said in the press conference, they're like, oh, how are you gonna feel? Because like. The way the the promotional um, agreement works between Coker and Ryzen is that they get him once a year minimum, um, hopefully more if they can. But he has to defend that belt once a year at least until you know someone else takes it and then he goes back to Ryzen or whatever. Um, and obviously he fights for Ryzen in the meantime. It's his main promotion. So they're like, they asked him in the um, post fight press conference. I believe it was Mike Bond, um, who's a great journalist, but his voice. I can't fucking stand to listen to. He's like, so given that you just won this, how does it feel to do that? And I'm like, just try harder, Mike Bond. Anyway, uh, they asked him, he's like, well, if he goes back to Ryzen to defend his title over there and you, and you have to wait, would you want to wait? Wong goes, no, fuck that. What is there for him? Fighting people in Japan? I'm on an 18-5 winning streak. Come and get this, motherfucker. And I was like, oh, my God. I want to see him fight for the title. That's going to be amazing. And and I have confidence that they will. I think Coker kind of said that that was the direction they were, they were leaning toward. You know, he's kind of like Dana and that he's like, oh, I don't make fights in the night of fights. He just is like, he doesn't even go to the press conferences. He kind of sits back and just like, you know, whatever. But um, I think I think they'll do him right. I mean, he's he's just dominating these guys. And Dantas was a good prospect too. Like, I, th- I feel like if he won, they would give him a title shot as well. Like, they were both kind of on the cusp um so Juan Archuleta is um a monster and I feel bad for him too because he's he's he trains with TJ Dillashaw and so there were there everyone was saying that like you know people were screaming like EPO at TJ because TJ cornered him he was there for this fight uh and we got a nice little interview with Chael which we'll get into later um but he was there he cornered Juan Archuleta and um Juan is doing everything the right way and um He's got this fucking stain following him around. People yelling, EPO, EPO. Uh, which uh, I don't really support, but I can't say that I fault them for that because, you know, it's terrible to take EPO. And his excuse wasn't even a good one. We'll get into that later. Um, but great, great win for Juan. Now, this gentleman made his Bellator debut, Patrick Mix. Um, strangled the fuck out of Ricky Bandejas, who's an awesome prospect that had just um, knocked out uh, James Gallagher a few fights ago. Uh, and everyone's pretty high on him. And this guy, Patrick Mix, comes in and just spoils the party. Um, just how they call him the backpack. He just hops right on and just strangles him, rear naked choke in like a minute or so. It was like a minute 07, I think. Crazy. Crazy. And uh, I think he's going to do great things. Which was like, like, like someone in the press conference, they were, they were being like f- kind of fucked up and they're, cause they're all sitting next to each other or whatever. And, um, they were saying how Juan Archuleta should get the next title shot. And this guy was like, 
you just finished a guy who uh, had a split decision loss against Juan Archuleta. Um, do you think because you finished him quicker, you should get the next tall shot? And the guy was like, no, I just got signed to Bellator. Are you fucking crazy? He deserves a title shot. Like, people don't know how to cover Bellator, it seems. I mean, what, what the hell? But not a lot of thoughts on that since it's just a, a newcomer. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Patrick Mix in the future. Someone um, who I am not looking forward to for various reasons is uh, Dylan Dennis. <laughs> but here's the thing. So he's kind of progressing, right? Like, if you want to talk about them feeding him cans, yeah, I touched I touched on this a little bit last episode. Like, sanctioning-wise for the commissions, that's kind of what they're looking for. And, like, D- Dylan Dennis, yes, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, but he's only got, like, 30 matches at black belt, according to AJ Agazarm, who's a annoying fuck as far as I'm concerned. But... Um, apparently he doesn't have an illustrious like competition career like some of these other guys like Gary Tonin and, and those guys like Gordon Ryan that are just like on the circuit, you know, taking matches all the time. He um, didn't compete for that long at Black Belt before he transitioned to MMA. So he doesn't have that like pancreation career and, and whatever that like they can turn to with Aaron Pico. He literally just a guy with a Black Belt. So uh, they have to give him those fighters with like similar records on, on the up and up. And... Um, one thing I'll say about him is, you know, he's got a bit of a chin, uh, you know, in, in his first fight. Um, yeah, his striking looked terrible, but he he just walked through some of those shots just to just to kind of get the clinch, and and eventually he Imanari rolled into uh, a toehold. But this one, he actually implemented some wrestling, got a takedown um, up against the fence, looked almost like he kind of was going for a slam. Um, nice ground and pound up against the cage too. And then the guy, Max Humphreys, credit to him, just like wouldn't quit. Um, and Dylan was like using his jujitsu to, to, um, just get a dominant position to land some, some good ground and pound. He was beating, he, he took his back and was just beating him up. Um, probably hoping for a rear naked choke. He tried at one point, but the guy was covering up. He was, he was tucking his chin. And so Dylan Dan just flipped him over and fucking ripped his arm off. Like he was like, you're not going to, you're not going to let me TKO you that I'm going to rip your arm off. Um, but how about those stupid shorts, dude? <laughs> I saw G and Shay were just talking about this. Like, are we not going to talk about the fact that he wore fucking leopard print to, to a cage fight? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm in New Jersey, so I see more leopard print than, um, Africa, quite frankly, but um, I don't want to see Dylan Dennis in leopard print. Get out of here. But other than that, nice win. And and I think the key for him is just going to be consistency. I guess he he wanted to fight sooner, which was annoying as hell. I, I, like I, I kind of forgot. I thought he was like on the sidelines on purpose, but I guess he got suspended from the whole Habib thing. Which, by the way, I'm not on anyone's side here. Like it was all just bad. Um, and there's all those fucking Habib sensors like Connor threw the first punch and all this other garbage. But Habib jumped out of the cage into the crowd and Dylan, Dylan Dennis was just sitting there and you're going to give him nine months. Oh my God. It was so weird. I was just like, like, why is this guy getting fined for getting attacked? 
but I'm not like a, some Dylan Dennis apologist. Like I don't really give a shit, but um, yeah, him, I, I think the key is going to be consistency. Um, he needs more in cage experience. So let's hope he gets it. Not, not going to like try and hype him up right now. He's like, yeah, he's annoying as fuck, but he could be a good prospect, but I don't want to treat him like that. You know what I mean? Let's not let's not jump on any bandwagons. Let's just let him be a two and zero fighter and just move the fuck on. <sighs> now we come to the co-main event of the evening: Leona Machida, second round TKO over Chael Sonnen. This is the right call for him to retire. As much as I'm a Sonnen fan, and um, I uh, I really enjoy what he's he's given us and where he's taken the sport in the direction of you know promotion in the entertainment era, uh, he's 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 not looking so good in these last few fights. Um, just getting getting dominated in the wrestling, which is like his bread and butter, you know. So. And that's what Chill said in the post fight interview as well. He was saying that, like, uh, you know, in the in the press conference, rather, he was saying, you know, I'm okay losing in his positions, like the striking and those knees. Like, I knew I knew I was gonna eat those, but I lost in my positions, which are the wrestling. Like, he was on top, and I was like, how did he get on top? And so he just he was just kind of lost, and he said something very like, like Chill, love him or hate him, he's honest to a fault, and he will just like. Not not so much Chell back in the day, but modern day Chell, you know, in his like Bellator career, I feel like he's been super honest and just like almost like dropping the curtain, especially in those post fight press conferences. Like he was saying how the like I thought it was a bit of a late stoppage, if I'm honest. And like I, again, as a Chell fan, I was like, oh my god, please stop this fight! Like he's not getting out of there. And um, you know, <laughs> he said the ref stepped in. It was like. Chael, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. And he said, yeah, what took you so long? I gave up three minutes ago. <laughs> Gotta love him. He is, he is so brutally honest. And MMA retirements are kind of like, almost like a phase. Like, it's not even a f- an official retirement. It's almost like I'm taking a break. But I think he's really done here. Just because... He's got the the broadcasting career. He's got the show with Ariel. He's covering, you know, the sport on ESPN. He's got his podcast. He's got, you know, his kids are getting older. And his this is the first time his kids watched him fight. And they, they see a loss like that. I think it's, you know, it kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And he said, you know, I'm going to be the show for now. I'm just going to be, you know, be, focus on being a dad. You know, get them in, involved in you know, sports and whatever they want to do. Uh, which I thought was really awesome. And he was like, oh, we're heading to, Bellat- uh, to Bellator London to call fights next weekend. This is hard, you know. Chell is one of my favorite fighters, and, and, I, and I don't care that any of you hate him. So if you hate Chell Sonnen, you listen to mumble rap. And that's fine, but just know that. It's a fact. If you, if you don't like Chell Sonnen, you listen to mumble rap. Sort of like the lamest insult I can think of. Um, the main event of the evening, however, Rory McDonald defeating Neiman Gracie via unanimous decision. The Red King is back. 
I think, I hope. I mean, if I'm honest, like prime Rory, let's call him atheist Rory, might have finished Neiman, but I think that's more a credit to Neiman than it is like Rory being tentative or whatever. Like I, I still think his his skills and his fight IQ and and like killer instincts are there. Um, Neiman's just you know hella good and was able to use his jujitsu to to kind of save. But like, dude, Rory was like, I'll fucking hang with you on the ground. I don't give a shit. Um, he's a black belt himself, so. Um, not, not really surprising for me in terms of the outcome. I just like the X factor really was his mindset after last fight. So like if, if, if he, if Neiman would have finished him in the second round or something, I wouldn't have been too surprised. Definitely a big upset, but I would have been like, okay, yeah, Rory, Rory's done. He, his, uh, heart's not in it anymore, but, um, I think it is. I think I think he's back. I think he just he said it in the uh, post fight press conference. He said that you know since I made this change in my life and and I I found Jesus and all this stuff, I never came to terms with it in terms of my fighting career. I just sort of like this said it was something I do and I didn't realize you know I never sort of dealt with that part of my life. And so he's like now I've dealt with it. So so it looks good. I I think he's he's gonna do big things. Interesting. Though to note, um, Coker is like, we want to wrap up the tournament in September. Um, so that's this is the semifinal. Um, D- Douglas Lima was um, the winner of the other semifinal, so so they're gonna fight for the for the final. And uh, he's like, yeah, we want to make that happen in September. The rematch between Rory and Douglas. And um, Rory afterward, like Scott said that in another backstage interview, you know, and then like an hour or so later when they had the press conference. Rory was like, yeah, Scott wants to do September, but that's not really going to work. I need more time. I got to prepare. By the way, that was a really good Rory um, impersonation. So you're welcome. And I guess on that note, we'll wrap it up. Um, It was a fun card. Uh, Probably the deepest card in, um, in Bellator history of recent memory. Although the one where um, they went to MSG two years ago, when Chael fought Vanderlei, that was a pretty big card as well. Um, and I, and it, it's just literally because MSG is the most expensive arena in the world to book, and New York is the most expensive commission to um, hold events under because of their uh, brain trauma insurance policy or something that every fighter has. Like every, every single fighter has to be insured up to a million dollars, something like that. Uh, it's this crazy New York rule. New York, get your fucking shit together. Um, anyway, big card, lots of fun. I loved it, and um, this is like the the night of the of the dead prospects, which is fine. It's fine. Well, now I'm rambling. Okay, let's get into these current events. All right, first up on the docket here, Chris Cyborg is going to become a free agent after her fight with Felicia Spencer. And this is kind of interesting to me because Cyborg, I think the way her contract is set up, she didn't have to take this fight. And what I mean by that is Chris Cyborg, I don't know if it's her like agent or 
if she hired like a special like combat sports lawyer to negotiate a better contract, she, her contracts have always had like a deadline where it's not just like an amount of fights like most people. Like usually it's you sign a four or five deal and those fights can take place whenever, but it was like in a certain period. So it was like, oh, or, you know, three fights or until March of 2019, let's say, or whatever. You know, so I thought... um she was going to maybe try and get out of that because she's not too happy in the UFC. But um, apparently she is taking the fight against Felicia Spencer. And then after that, she's going to test the waters. So I think she's just looking to come off a win probably is, is, is what I would gather. Now it's no secret that cyborg and the UFC don't get along. They never got it right. I mean, back to fucking Dana saying, doesn't it look like Vanderlei Silva in a dress? I swear to God, I thought it was Vanderlei Silva in a dress. I mean, so disrespectful, dude. And Chris Cyborg is a top draw now, regardless of losing to Amanda. I mean, she could go anywhere. She could do boxing. She could do MMA. There's a ton of stuff she could do. And she was saying she wanted to do that stuff. So I highly doubt um, that the UFC is is going to want to resign her. I mean, I really, I really think win or lose against Felicia Spencer, we're not going to see her fight in the UFC again. That'll be her last UFC fight. So let's enjoy that while we can. Cyborg being in the UFC, that is. But I, I started to think like, okay. She could go to Bellator. She couldn't really go back to Invicta because at this point it's somewhat of a Zufa property given that they have the Fight Pass deal and they, they share fighters sometimes. Or rather, the UFC takes fighters from Invicta. Um, it's not really a sharing going on. Uh, I can only think of one fighter who like went back to Invicta after being cut from the UFC. That was Sarah Kaufman. And now she's in the PFL. But that, again... I could see her going to the PFL. You know, Kayla Harrison had made it very vocal that she wanted to fight Cyborg. And uh, Cyborg even said, you know, I'd be down to do the 155 that you guys are doing over there. I think she's like down to cut less weight. So fucking A. I mean, Kayla Harrison needs a lot more experience. But if she gets that experience, I would love to see Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg. Are you kidding me? I feel like that's the only thing like, like she needs someone that's like her own size. Um, and that's, that's Kayla Harrison, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, I just kind of wanted to give my little thoughts on that. I, like I said, I don't think we see Chris Cyborg in the UFC after this fight, just because of the the past. She is not happy with the UFC. She wanted a rematch and, and, uh, Dana was like, Oh, you're not getting that rematch. And then, and then Dana was like, Oh, I don't think she wants the rematch. Fuck you. I mean, that was such a big slap in the face. Speaking of slaps in the face, TJ Dillashaw did an interview with Chael. And this is this is interesting. So Chael um, is doing his podcast. And whenever he um, has a fight, he's like on the road. He'll, he'll like record from his hotel room. And he's like very dedicated about not missing an episode on his podcast. So... He, um, the on the road ones are sometimes a little weird. And if he can, if he, if they're available, he'll sometimes grab another fighter and, um, you know, make it interesting. And 
I guess unexpectedly, he saw TJ Dillashaw roaming around because he was cornering Juan Archuleta. Um, he he like texted him. He said, "Hey, would you come on my podcast? I'm, I'm going to record." And he's like, "Yeah, let's do it right now." And boom, they just did it. And TJ, that was his, like his first interview since the whole suspension came out, and he was very honest. And it was, I mean, I guess that's sort of the bare minimum you could ask for is honesty. But I just I just thought that the fact that he was willing to do it because of course it's gonna come up, dude. Like he's not gonna sit there and say, I'll do my podcast I'll do your podcast, but we can't talk about the EPO stuff and then Chell be like, Oh well then uh don't fucking do it then because that's all I'm gonna talk about. Not literally, but and 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 Chell, quite frankly, was the perfect person to to do this. And I, and I think if it was like a media member who would ask him for an interview, he would have either declined, or if he did, it would have gone very differently, and he would have probably walked out of the interview. But Chael was busted for EPO as well. Um, so I mean, he was sitting there saying, like, I know the exact substance. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. And it was, it was just weird. like, and then Chael was like, don't get yourself down. Like Chael was trying to build him back up, um, which I thought was, was nice of him. But, but to my point of like slapping the face, uh, TJ said he, the reason he took EPO was that he, you know, the weight cut, like not the cut as in like fight week, you know, cutting the water weight, like, the process of like changing his body and sculpting and doing the weight loss, like in camp, uh, he said it was going terribly and he was like losing energy and, um, his body was depleted. So he got this EPO. It's really, I think the dr- the drug is called like procre procreen or I'm getting that wrong. I'm, I'm whatever it's a fucking bad substance anyway, but it has EPO in it. And that's, that's what he used it for was really the EPO. Um, and he said that his levels, whatever this thing is, it's like the, um, whatever EPO benefits. I mean, I guess, I guess it gives you red blood cells, but whatever his levels are normally like 45. And he was like, I was down in the thirties, so I needed to take it. And then, but I only ever got to like a 46. So it wasn't really, and I'm like, yeah, you are. Don't don't fucking make excuses. Um, so it was just, it was kind of like I didn't know how to f- feel about it. I was like, wow, really honest, good interview. And uh, he was even like trying to give him some help on his game plan um, for Machida, uh, which obviously didn't work out well. But yeah. I just thought that was notable because I did not expect it at all. I really did not expect to hear from TJ Dillashaw at all during this whole two-year suspension. Like, and I'm to- I'd be totally fine with that. Not a, not a TJ fan at all. But that was a nice interview. So I, so I think he does come back in two years and he probably gets his belt back. I think, I think it's, um, I think it's no problem. Now, here's something that I came across, and I'm not sure how to feel about it. So, there's reports coming out that Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya, they're looking to move it to Las Vegas. 
um, because it conflicts with um, another sporting event or another event that weekend. And I'm going to sound really ignorant here because I don't know anything about the Australian um, market, like at all. Um, and I know there there are a couple of people from Australia who listen, so I want to give them um, proper credence, if you will. Um, you know, feel free to leave me a voice message about it. But uh, I think this report, this is just my speculation. I think this report was sort of put out there because they're testing the waters to see the fucking outrage. So if you're really upset that they're going to move this fight to Las Vegas, you got to fucking let them know on Twitter. Say, I need, we need to let them know that you'll show up because what they're worried about is ticket sales. You know, they're going to make it a pay-per-view. Pay-per-views are really for the uh, North American audience. But what they're worried about is ticket sales. So let them know that you're going to show up. I mean, I fucking would. Are you kidding me? Dude, if, if I could fly to... If I had the money to just fly to Australia for that fight, I would. That's a fight I would love to see live. And to see it in Australia... Like, I could see it in Las Vegas if, it, if it's in Las Vegas. But I don't want to see it in Las Vegas. I want it to be in Australia. That's where it fucking needs to be. Or New Zealand, but more more so Australia because the champ, um, Whitaker. That's a fucking banger of a fight, huh? Robert Whitaker versus Rosanya. Holy shit! So close yet so far away. I'll tell you what's a weird fight: Jessica Andrade versus Weili Zhang or Zhang Weili, whatever. Um, I guess they're headlining the UFC China card. And this is like, this is one of those like opportunistic title shots. Like if Rose had won the belt, there's, there's no way. Um, like Weili Zhang was not like the next in line. You know what I mean? Like circumstantially, she's getting this because Tatiana's injured. Um, they apparently don't want to um, book Michelle Watterson in a title shot. And I know my boy Ray on Twitter was very vocal about this. And and I kind of was too. I mean, a little bit. It's it's weird. Like, okay, all, all um, uh, you know, belt aside, it's a fun matchup. Um, Weili Zhang brings a storm. And Jessica Andrade brings a storm. And... Um, Jessica, I say, probably has the advantage in that. Um, her like grappling is is a problem. Like her her wrestling those those fucking slams, um, and her power. You know, but Weili Zhang is fucking nasty. So she could, I could see her piecing up Jessica like Rose did in that first round. Boy, you know. But it's just it's just weird. Like why and. You know, they're so keen on, you know, uh, pay-per-views have to be headlined by a title fight, so they kind of reserve most of the champions for pay-per-views. But this is a fight night. So weird. So weird. It's like... Like, when, when, when they give low fighters a... Uh, low-ranked fighters a title shot, you kind of, like... I'm trying to think, like, just when they've done it in the past, it sort of makes sense. Just because of, like, the only one that comes to mind at the moment is Dan Henderson 
getting a title shot against Michael Bisping, but because he had that win over him from back in the day that uh, Michael really wanted to get back. And Dan Henderson's a fucking legend. You know, you put him in a title fight right now, I give a fuck. But I do give a fuck about um, Michelle Watterson getting a, a title shot over uh, Wei Li Zhang. Like, Michelle Watterson could fucking headline a, a card in China. Are you kidding me? They'll headline the shit out of that card. I don't think it needs to be a Chinese um, contender for them to have a China a title fight, you know, headline that card in China. It's no problem. Francisco Trinaldo is taking on... No segue, just fucking boom. You like that? Um, Francisco Trinaldo versus Alex Hernandez is um, is done for the uh, UFC San Antonio card. And dude, I just wanted to re- uh, run through this card real quick because it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, this is like one of the most stacked fight nights in recent memory. And maybe not in terms of name value, but in terms of just quality of fights. Like, mm, I'm getting hard thinking about it. So we've got um, my girl, Roxy Modafferi, taking on Liz Carmouche. You got um, Ray Borg on there for some reason, but it doesn't have an opponent. It's kind of weird. Um I'm skipping over some names because it's not important. Alex Caceres is fighting this guy named Steven Peterson. Bruce Leroy is always fun. Sam Alves fighting a can named Clinton Abreu. Abreu? Wow. Sephora. Raquel Pennington versus Irene Aldana. That's a fun fight. Um, Raquel Pennington coming off that war with Amanda Nunes, where she just got fucking brutalized, said she wanted to quit, and her corner was like, no, no, just, just go out there and, and, and just try. You can you can do it and just be be good. And they're like, okay, let's fucking sit around to get killed by Amanda. And then we got um, Juan Adams getting a chance to kill Greg Hardy. That's going to be fun. James Vick versus Dan Hooker. Very fun fight at lightweight. Are you kidding me? And Andre Arlovsky versus Ben Rothwell. That's a fun-ass fight. Ben Roth, they actually fought back in the day. I want to say it was Affliction or something. It was old. It was it was way back in the day when Ben Rothwell was like a young up-and-comer. And now they're both like veterans and Andre's nose is like a fucking zigzag. I think Ben finishes him, to be honest. Andre won, uh, was my point. Andre won the, the first fight. I, I believe, and I think Ben finishes him. That's going to be a fucking hell of a fight. Walt Harris versus Alexi Olenek, great fight. Um, and then um, RDA versus Leon Edwards, also great fight. And Leon Edwards did that stupid thing on Twitter. It was like, well, just got the word that RDA ducked me. Uh, guess I'm not going to have to find an opponent. All these guys are pussies. And then uh, RDA was like, I guess you're wrong. See you soon, boy. What if what if uh, RDA just started talking like Yo Romero? And we're at the point where I'm rambling again. So I think I'm out of uh, steam for these fucking current events. It's been a long week, guys. 
Uh, I'm like two weeks removed from surgery. Still not even recovered. But I'm dedicated. Appreciate the, the support, by the way, from anyone um, on Twitter who um, wished me well during that. Um, that was awesome. And um, and the play as well. You guys are the fucking best. And um, without further ado, let's get into some questions. All right, all right, all right. Let's get it going. First, we have some voice questions, which are always the best. Just a reminder for anyone listening, if you ever want to uh, submit a voice question, I tweet out the link frequently. But it is anchor.fm slash fighting with myself slash message. And here we go. FWM Podcast, this is Sharon Moseblow here. First off, I hope you killed your play last night. I hope it went amazing for you guys. Um, last night was my first Bellator card that I've ever watched. And holy shit, was it a good one, dude. There were so many fucking exciting fights on there. It was. Uh, I'm really glad that I tuned into it. But anyway, as I was looking into this first card, I started reading up on Rory McDonald and his comments at 220, where he was talking about his inability to pull the trigger, mentioned his religious values, and so forth. So my question for you is, did you see any hesitation or anything missing from Rory's game last night and his dominating win over Gracie? Great question, Mr. Cerrone Noseblow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so first off, Bellator, that was an awesome card. Now, if you're someone who's interested in Bellator's future as a promotion, might not have been the best card in terms of results, but that's the thing. This is what I love about MMA, is that sometimes you just got to kill off a prospect. Like, that's what I fucking hate about boxing, and that's why I can't stand it, is because they they protect people, they protect their fighters, and not having them face the best. That's why we never got the fucking uh, Joshua Wilder fight. It's another story that I care too much. Like I said, I don't hate, uh, don't give a shit about boxing. But um, Bellator does that a little too much. So when they just say fuck it, and they match up Juan Archuleta with um, Eduardo Dantas, and fucking... Ricky Bande has Patrick Mix. They even uh, Heather Hardy got destroyed. I mean, all of their prospects like kind of got killed. But I have a feeling that the winners of those prospective matches will come out on top, and so that'll be fine. You know, it's a cycle. Not that I know anything about that. I'm a fucking promoter, but you know what I mean. I just I just think it's 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 going to be okay. So in terms of in terms of like value, yeah, they put on a great fucking show. Um, if you are in the in the U.S. and in the U.K. and their Belters really making a push in the U.K. market, but um, specifically um, for anyone in the U.S., whenever they come to your hometown, just 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 go. Like, don't don't worry about whether or not you know people on the card. Bellator puts on a fucking great live show. I saw um, Bellator 170 live at the Forum in L.A. Um, it was Chael versus Tito as the main event. Um, Tito tapped. Come at me, bro. But it was uh, a hell of a show. Like, the pyrotechnics and the ramp. And they, they, just, they just know how to do a ride. They, Scott Cooker really goes back to that old, like, Japanese MMA 
feel like back from the pride days. That's why I think him and Saka Guevara work so well together. Um, so it was an awesome card. To answer your second question about Rory, and I alluded to this a little bit in my um, intro or in the recap, uh, I think that was, like, that was the big question surrounding it, right? And I think that Rory answered a lot of those questions, um, most of them with flying colors. Uh, like I said, I think Rory from two years ago probably would have finished him, but we don't know that. I mean, maybe Neiman Gracie is that good, you know? I don't think we should um, chalk it up to Rory's recent, you know, coming to Jesus. I think it's more so, you know, Neiman Gracie is that good. Um, Scott even said after, you know, give Neiman maybe four or five more fights. That That's a different fight. Like, Neiman probably needs more experience, which is which is fine. You know, if someone at his, what is he, like nine, ten pro fights fighting for a world title against, you know, one of the best welterweights on the planet you're fine you go the five full five rounds you know what i mean so um that's what i think about that i think uh i think neiman's gonna gonna bounce back and i think rory probably has a few more fights in him i'm glad that he's gonna take more time for that uh douglas lima rematch or at least he says he will i mean i don't know if um, the promotion will be interested in that because they want to wrap up that tournament because dude that was a hard-ass fight and um I'm not one of those people that think Douglas Lima won that fight. I think Rory did, but it was barely. It was barely. He had a fucking person growing out of his leg. Talking about that hematoma on his shin. Holy fuck. I mean, wow. So, for sure, um, take more time off, you know? And without further ado, um, this next question is from another friend of the program. Myself. It's your boy Gangus, repping AP. I want to know if they did a Bellator versus UFC cross promotion joint, who would you want to see and why? I'd like to see Musasi versus Bobby Knuckles. If that did happen, who do you think would win? I fucking love Chris Gangus Black. Every time, every time I do a show, he sends in a voice question. You have to you have to um, submit uh, a title for it, like to to title the message. And his title was "My Ma's Favorite Yankee Candle Is Midsummer's Night," <laughs> which is of course the name of the play I just did Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, fucking great and fucking great question. By the way, um, this is just fantasy. I mean, I really don't think we will ever see this. I talked about this earlier. I don't think uh, Dana and Scott are ever going to get it right. I mean, they have been somewhat complimentary in the past, but I think um, I think Dana does see him as a threat. He's very competitive business-wise. You know, if he had his way, they would buy out Bellator and run it into the ground or, you know, merge the promotions like they did with Strikeforce, which is a fucking shame, and I don't think that'll happen since they're owned by Viacom. You know, they've got that big money. Someone on Twitter a while ago was like, oh, it's okay, you know, the UFC is going to buy Bellator in a few years. I'm like, I don't fucking see that happening because they're owned by Viacom. I mean, that, that's a huge corporation, and they're um, they're really invested in their product. They've been on board um, with that ever ever since um, the fucking Ultimate Fighter days, you know, when they had Spike. Viacom has been in MMA for a long time. But to answer his actual question, uh, dude, I agree. Musasi? When he left the UFC, was on like a four-fight winning streak, 
uh, maybe five. He had beaten Chris Weidman. And if he had re-signed, I think he would have got a title shot. It sucks that he was he was in the UFC at the time when they were trying to set up the fight with Bisping and GSP because absolutely he was one of the most deserving contenders at the time. It was like him and Whitaker. I mean, if he had stayed, they, could, they probably would have made, you know, it was Whitaker versus Yoa. I think they would have made maybe Whitaker versus Musasi for the number one contender fight or, you know, Yoel versus Musasi. Like there, there was, there was definitely a case to be made for him to be in that title picture. And as good as he's looked, I mean, not just in Bellator, like people always say when a, when a fighter goes to the UFC and then they start doing well in Bellator, um, everyone's like, oh, they're fighting lesser competition, which can be true. But I don't think that's the case with Musasi. I don't think it's a, f- a fact that, like, he would look that good regardless. And um, I like that fight, Musasi versus Robert Whitaker. Hell yeah. And I think um, Whitaker could win. Like, a lot of people are saying, like, what do you think? Whitaker would smoke him. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. Musasi used to fight at 205. Even had some fights at heavyweight. He finished Mark Hunt at heavyweight. So... I like Musasi in that a lot. Uh, his kickboxing is legit. Got very good grappling. Could give uh, Robert Woodard a lot of problems. You know what? If you asked me like a year ago, I would have said Rory versus Tyron Woodley too. Because uh, um, Tyron looked better since that fight. And uh, of course, Rory, you know, is the champion in Bellator. Looked like a killer. And... Uh, I would have thought that would have been a fun rematch. Now, of course, uh, we saw um, one of the worst um, Woodley performances ever against Kamaru Usman, and now that fight has, like, no um, interest. I would be somewhat interested in um, Kamaru versus Rory, but I think it would be, like, sort of, like, similar to the Fitch fight, and um, no one wants to see that again. But, dude, any of, like, I think they should just literally just do a, like, if we're talking fantasy... A promotion versus promotion card. All the champions. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, although keep Pitbull the hell away from Khabib. Like, Michael Chandler versus Khabib. Absolutely want to see that. But now that Pitbull's the 155 and 145, more interested in, in Pitbull versus uh, versus Holloway. But yeah, all, all those fights. Even... Now here's here's what I don't want to see actually, um, Julia Budd versus Amanda Nunes one forty five, a women's title because Amanda Nunes knocked out Julia Budd in like fourteen seconds back in the day in Strikeforce, which you can make the case that she's looked a lot better since then and maybe that you know would motivate her to do better. But also Amanda Nunes is a fucking killer. But yeah. I would say, you know, Musasi versus Whitaker is probably at the top of that list. Even Bader DC. We were supposed to get that fight. Bader was calling for a title shot, and DC won the belt against Rumble. He said, I want the easiest fight in the division. I want Ryan Bader. (laughs) Gotta see that fight. I guess those are my thoughts on that, but we'll never see it, so that's a shame. Moving on to Twitter. You guys are the fucking best on Twitter, by the way. Uh, at Shana Tara says, 
probably pronouncing that wrong. Shane, S-H-A-N-E-T-E-R-A. I like saying Shane Terra. Makes it sound it's Italian. Uh, he says, who wins a grappling match, Wonder Boy or Stylebender? Awesome question, and I'm not sure. Like, I think Wonder Boy trains more defensive grappling, more like stand-ups, and like he trains, of course, Weidman to work on his defensive wrestling. But Stylebender actually is working on his jiu-jitsu, and, um, you know, he almost got that triangle against Kevin and the guillotine. Not that just because of those that moment, do I think he's going to win? You know, that's we just saw a flash of it. You know, we don't really know, but we also haven't really seen any grappling out of Wonder Boy. So I would lean towards Stylebender. Uh, he's also a bit, well, here's the thing. Uh, Stylebender is kind of a small 85er, so it's not even like he's bigger. Uh, but he's a little bit taller. He's got those longer limbs that could give him problems. I'd go Stylebender on that one. That'd be a fun, uh, like, charity match, like like the Masvidal Pettis one that just happened. Which was awesome, by the way. Shout out to um, Shay My Name for those highlights. Uh, Yoel versus himself with dreads. Getting that um, Kimura or Keylock or whatever the hell that submission was. Shane Tara also asks, What's your favorite Korean zombie fight and why didn't we get the rumor match between him and Garcia? I don't know on both accounts. It's hard because... So the rubber match with him and Leonard Garcia... Um, I think it was like a politics thing and then like Korean Zombie um, had a, uh, he had to go into mandatory military service and was like, you know, layoff for injuries as well. Uh, and then Leonardo Garcia was on the downswing and then retired. So I think it was just like the timing of everything. Um, that would have been fun, but like now, no interest in it, you know, and it would, it would not even be competitive, you know. Um, favorite Koreans, I mean, if, I mean, there's a lot of recency bias here, but that war with Yair, I mean, can't beat it. I mean, that was just incredible. Obviously, it didn't go his way, but <laughs> it sucks. Like, if he would have just, that, that knockout's probably killing him, um, which is, is something we're going to get into in the, um, in the prediction for next week. But, um, he, if he just moves his head, just, just to, inch to the to the left he wins that fight by decision but his uh his fight with uh dennis bermudez was awesome too after you know that long layoff just going in there and murking a guy much respect to korean zombie i lo- I loved afterwards um after that fight he had said that dominic cruz was his inspiration for that for all those years of layoff with injuries and then coming back and like finishing um uh, Mizugaki, whatever that guy's name is. So, love that fight too, but I would have to pick Yair uh, recently. It's probably my favorite zombie fight. Again, recency bias getting in there, but how how can you argue with it? I mean, that's such a good fight. Probably one of the best fights in the last 10 years. Frank the Tank asks, why Bellator MMA keep putting cans in front of Dylan Dennis? Now, did he tag them? Yes. Is that a mistake? Yes. Am I going to allow it this time? Yes. Bellator, listen, I said it a couple times. I'll say it again. They're guilty of this a little bit, of, of, of building people up slowly. But that's what you got to do. And despite 
the media attention that this guy gets because of you know him working with Connor and all all the hate he gets, and he's probably always going to be on a main card. He's also two and zero. You're not going to give him. Like, go look at anyone's record when they were two and zero and see see the kind of competition they were facing. Like, it's just he's doing it on a big stage. So, I hope they keep giving him cans. Give him five more cans. Fuck it. Give a fuck. I'll fight Dylan Dennis. I'm a can. That would that would be terrible. Actually, He'd probably rip my knee off. Or I was sleeping with that left. What you know about that? It's a terrible. This is a great question. These questions are fucking great. When there's no UFC, y'all get creative, and I love it. Um, Jimmy the Drunk is um, is at is uh, Paroli proud. He says to pivot off my last question: What current or former UFC fighter gets the least tail? Um, if you guys didn't listen to his question from a few episodes ago, he said which UFC fighter um, gets the most tail. <laughs> so if I were to say who gets the least tail, you know, if you asked me like a week ago, a couple weeks ago, probably would have said Henry Cejudo. We just um, he just made that video with the Bella Twins. Do you think he smashed though? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, I think that video is probably gonna get him some. Plus, when I was in the bar watching 238, um, this fucking guys next to us would not shut up. And they were so Jersey and so annoying. So annoying. But my wife just said, word. But they were talking about how he was talking to a friend of theirs who was like a former wrestler and wrestled against Henry Cejudo. And... It was like leading up to the uh, T.J. Dillashaw fight. He was like, "Oh, you got to put all your money on T.J. Dillashaw. You know, he, he's gonna smoke him." And he gave like all these reasons, and then T.J. Dillashaw gets smoked in like 30 seconds. Come to find out, that guy lost Henry Cejudo, and it was like the match that was gonna decide who's gonna get into the Olympics. And apparently, Cejudo stole his girl. <laughs> this is according to that fucking idiot. So, you know, gotta take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> if that's true, maybe it's not Henry. Um, I would say Satan Northcutt because he's like so like religious, but he's probably also killing it on the side. Damn, this is a hard question. Cause I feel like probably most most fighters before they got in the UFC were like, if they weren't in a relationship, they probably weren't getting any. And this is the UFC. It's like everyone's like flocking and like, oh my god, like everyone wants to be with them. So, God, that's a really hard question. Maybe uh maybe maybe the flyweights as well like they're not doing so well because you know it's a Napoleon complex. I have to think about that. I'll come back to you, Jimmy. Don't you worry about that one. We're gonna get a better answer for that question. <laughs> Lemonade Poppy says, so it's clear that a lot of people hate Dylan Dennis. I think he's a chode as well, but you can't fault two for two. What's next for him? Who's going to be able to defend effectively against his ground game and keep him off his feet? Does the boy got chin and heart? This is a great question. Uh, chin? Probably. Like I said, in his, we didn't really see it in this fight, but in his first fight, um, he walked through a couple of hard shots. Um, didn't seem to phase him. Um, it's like he said, he spars with Connor, and um, you know he's going to fucking light him up. Um, not that Connor's probably going full force, but you know. As far as heart, we haven't seen it. 
Um, but he did say that he was, um, like he tore his LCL a week before this fight. Um, which a lot of fighters say that after a fight, like, oh, I tore my thing, uh, tore my shoulder. And, you know, the fucking laundry list of injuries comes out when they get a win. You know, but uh, still still impressive the way he um, he used his jujitsu to just get top position and rain down shots. Like I said, um, dominant performance out of him. And uh, I think I think eventually he's going to get figured out. Eventually, like they can't protect him forever. You know, maybe someone like me, I'll beat him. I don't give a fuck. Actually, I do. Not interested in that. <laughs> Tom, powerful CTE. I always fuck up his last name. Zach Gazuski. By the way, dude, this gentleman is awesome. Has a podcast um, that you should check out called The Absolute Bloody State of Things, where he just talks about politics and cricket and the state of the World Cup. And then for like maybe 15 minutes, we'll ramble about MMA. Um, but he left a, he left a question um, last week and his, it said his name was Tom Downing. And I'm like, you making me pronounce Zach Kazuski? And you got a name that says Downing? Lead with that. Don't make me fuck up your name. Tom Downing. Anyway, he says, what would be the next step for Chael? Full-time podcaster, commentator, pundit, or Dana White's successor? Or will he start promoting pro wrestling like he said he'd like to a couple of times? Uh, this is an interesting question. I think you just nailed, uh, just laid out pretty much all of the things that are possible and there's no reason why he can't do all of them except being Dana White's successor. Uh, and I will, and I'll say that for a few, a few reasons. He actually, I listened to, um, uh, he was on Robbie Fox's, uh, podcast, my mom's basement, uh, which is one of those ones that I only listen to if, if, uh, if there's someone I'm interested on, cause he does a lot of like stuff talking about pro wrestling, which I don't give a shit about, or I'll talk about um, nerd stuff, which I sometimes care about. So it's it's interesting. But um, he has good interviews because he just like doesn't give a fuck and bullshits with the guys. And he had a great interview with Chael. And um, he asked if Scott Coker, later on down the line, would be the one to take Dana's place. And Chael said, ultimately, it's kind of a morbid question because what you're essentially saying is what will happen after Dana's death. Because he said, I, I believe like the, the keys to that office are going are, are gonna, to, you have to pry him from his cold, dead fingers. That's what he said. He's basically like, he's like a Vince McMahon type where he thinks Dana's going to be, you know, at this until um, the very end, basically. Uh, I'm not so sold on that. Um, I do think, like he talked about when, um, when they sold it to um, WME IMG, he was depressed for like a week, wouldn't leave his hotel room, uh, because he was really like, he's good friends with Lorenzo and they left the company. And so he was, he was like fucking in a depressive state about not doing it with Lorenzo and Frank, uh, mostly Lorenzo, I think. And, uh, and then he came to terms with it. So I think we've seen a new Dana in the, in, in recent years since the sale. And it seems like he's lost his motivation a little bit. So I don't know as far as, um, who would be Dana White's successor because, it seems like he might be. And then he also did this um, interview with TMZ where he said, like, oh, Lorenzo wants to buy an NFL team, and I, I'd love to be his partner. Dude, if they somehow get their fucking grubby hands on the Patriots, because uh, Dana White's a huge Patriots fan, or some other franchise, I think we'll, we'll see him leave the UFC for sure, 
Dana White loves um, other sports more than he loves MMA because he's a piece of shit. And um, in that case, I don't know who would take his place. I don't think it would be Chael. And I think Chael has a better chance of taking over Bellator than he does um, the UFC. And, and Chael's a great promoter. And um, it would be interesting to see a high-level uh, promotion run by a former fighter. Someone like like Chael, for all his like uh, past that people like to talk about with like the PEDs and uh, money laundering and stuff, his like, politics career, he's actually a very fair guy um, when it comes to the fighters. And I think he, he could run it. He already has his grappling promotion, Submission Underground, which is uh, somewhat successful. And I think he could he could do great things in MMA as a promoter. Uh, I don't think it'll be a, a successor to Dana White, though. But like you said, full-time podcaster, commentator, pundit. Like, I think Chael needs to busy himself with as much stuff as possible. All he's had is, is competition for the for the past several years, you know, ever since, like, his amateur wrestling days into college, you know, doing NHB back in the day, finding Forrest Griffin and fucking Jeremy Horn, like... He's been competing like for the past twenty plus years, and he needs to like busy himself with as much stuff as possible, which he already kind of does with Ariel and the bad guy and all that. Um, I think I think he'll go on to be one of the one of the greatest you know commentators and, and um, analysts we have. So there's that. This is one of my favorite accounts on Twitter. <laughs> the name is Derek Lewis's Hot Balls. <laughs> so funny. Uh, at Pixie Dust 26 says, what is your favorite chill trash talk from any point in his MMA career? And I tweeted this out already, and I talked about it a little bit last week um, on my podcast. It's got to be that black and white interview with Ariel. If you haven't listened to that interview, it's probably the best interview of all time from anyone. doesn't matter. Like, It's not just Chael's best interview. It's probably anyone's best interview. I mean, he goes in on pride on Japanese MMA saying, you tell me Vanderlei can win 22 fights in Japan, can't win a round in America? Come on. No one's let him in on the gag. No one said, hey, Vanderlei, you didn't really win those fights. The referee didn't have an earpiece, so the promoter can tell your opponent when to go down. I mean, come on. So good. That's that's the best. That's, I mean, that that's like peak chill for me. Although, <laughs> another favorite chill moment. This isn't this isn't trash talk, although it, it, he didn't intend it to be, but it kind of ended up being this way. So he was on um, he was on a show. I want to say it was Fox somewhere with John Anik and I think Kenny Florian, and they were doing a little segment called like Fact or Fiction, and they were I think just coming back from a break, and Chell didn't know, and he's like adjusting his cufflinks, and uh, John Anik goes Fact or Fiction, Travis Brown. We'll fight for a UFC title. And Chell just goes, could you imagine? <laughs> just offhandedly chuckles under his breath. He's like, you know, could you imagine? Uh, <laughs> John, John Anik is like, well, it's uh, it's going to happen. And he's like, are we live? What? No. no. Travis Brown, sell. No. <laughs> Which kind of is not bad for Travis Brown. I think he ended up fighting for, for the... It was like a number one contender fight against Fabricio, or, or was it a um, supposed to be an interim fight? I can't remember, but it was it was at that time it was 
it was supposed to be. That was what they were referencing in that question. And Jail was just like, no, are you kidding me? Could you imagine? Crazy. But uh, too many favorite Jail moments to, to just pick one. So I kind of have to pick that whole interview. Golden. Just golden. And, of course, the infamous, you know, Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. I mean, that has to be one of the greatest promos ever. Beats Brian Stan, gets in the mic. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. And Anderson's in the front row. Gotta love it. Man, I'm going to miss Chael. I'm going to miss him. But I, but I enjoy his podcast thoroughly. And um, I think he, he'll be able to open up more about his career and about um, other fighters now that he's not, you know, now there's no conflict of interest in that sense. And uh, I look forward to his take on Ariel and the bad guy as well. Florida Man MMA asks, Since you and Uriah rocked the same hair, how does our boy fare in his return? Could he warm another fight with Dom? Do we even care? This is a three-parter. Uh, first of all, the hair. This is funny. So my logo actually similar do have similar hair to Uriah Faber, but I've grown it out, and now I'm more creeping into Elias Theodoro territory. Yeah, I said it. Main event. Whatever. I'm coming for everything you work for, motherfucker. Lies Theodoro, come at me. Uh, as far as as far as um, his return, he's got a tough fight against Ricky Simone coming up. I honestly, and and I'll give my picks for that probably in a couple weeks. Um, not probably, definitely. I mean, that's when the episode's coming up. But um, I might have to go with Ricky. I don't know. Uh, you know, Ricky's best attribute is probably his grappling, and um, I don't really see Uriah getting out grappled, but he's also younger and fresher, and ring rust for anyone not named Dominic Cruz is a real thing, uh, or GSP, so there's that. And as far as another fight with Dom, uh, the only way I see that happening, so it's really hard to sell a fourth fight you know, if you're not someone like Scott Coker who doesn't give a fuck and will make, like, Rampage versus Vanderlei 5. <laughs> but uh, as far as another fight with Dom, the only way I could maybe see that is if, uh, you know, he really wants to make a run of the title and Dom also is and they won't give him a title shot without, a, like, an Eliminator fight. And, and then they they match up those guys that way for, for a number one contender fight or maybe an interim belt if, you know, Cejudo... Uh, can't come back and, and Al- they don't give Alderman the shot. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm even saying like later on down the line when, you know, Alderman's already had a shot, maybe Suda's defending the flyweight title. I mean, there's a lot of um, variables that would have to line up for that. And yeah, to answer your last question, no, I, I don't really care about that fight. Uh, I saw the trilogy live, UFC 199. I was there. Uh, it was a pretty one-sided affair. Dominic dominated that fight. And, uh, like, Dominic Cruz is one of my favorite fighters, but Uriah Faber is also one of my favorites. So it's hard to, like, I just don't want to see them fight. Like, I don't, I, I want to be able to pick them and not have to pick against one of them, you know? All right. The Legend. Phil, the MMA dude, says, Last night we saw losses from Pico, Caldwell, Ricky, Heather Hardy, Dantas, Chael, 
And Chael retired. Hard to imagine a bigger slaughter of Bellator prized ponies. In terms of that, or in terms of results, that how Bellator built its brand was last night the worst night in Bellator history. And this is such a good question that I don't know the answer. Here's why. I kind of laid out earlier, like I think the the fact that those you know stars, if you will, got killed off. I think they could use that to build the other guys, and and that's what they should do as a promotion. Pivot to that. I mean. Heather Hardy losing isn't the worst. Like she's not someone that they're really looking to like push into a title fight. Really, I mean, even her, she said she's just looking to do some fun fights in MMA to supplement her boxing career. So uh, I don't think it matters. But as far as like, and like that fight was so weird. The shots that she was getting hit with, and I, and I never want to say like someone doesn't have power or they're they're not throwing with a lot of heat. But if you just look at the speed of those shots, they. It was like she was like playing patty cake. I, I just I couldn't tell what that was going on. And Heather Hardy probably was like, I don't know, maybe maybe an old injury opened up like with her nose or something or some cuts opened up where they were doing more damage than they looked like. And so that's why she was covering up and, and the ref had to stop it. But it just didn't they just didn't look that good. So I don't see how you could pivot that to, to Taylor Turner being a, a big star. But the other ones like Juan Archuleta, I think he should fight for the title next, you know. Kyoji Horiguchi, uh, he's always going to be a big star for them, given that he's already a star in Japan. And they could, I think Scott Corker would love to do a card in Japan, dude. Are you kidding me? They would, they would make that half Rise and half Bellator. I mean, there's so many um, avenues for them to do that, and that could be a massive show. Uh, uh, as far as Aaron Pico, uh, I think Adam Boric's, uh, I, I think he could, I think he could do some good stuff. Um, that's probably the worst one just because they built him up so much and, um, they hyped him up as like the, the fucking, like I said, like the LeBron James of MMA and, um, you know, in his last two fights, he hasn't looked so good as far as the result. But like I said, you know, he was on a four or five winning streak where he did look like the next big thing. He was killing dudes with that left hook to the body. Just killing. I mean, that Shane Crutchen fight, they could have stopped that twice. <laughs> like, from that first body shot, they could have stopped it, and they let him up to just get slaughtered again, which, man, I mean, Shane Crutchen is a um, he's a uh, former Marine and a vet and someone I have a lot of respect for because of that, and um, also very interactive on social media, just a hell of a nice guy. But I was like, man, dude, stop that fight for him. Like, stop that fight. You know, so Pico was looking like a killer back then. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. I think we have such short-term memories in MMA. And uh, Aaron Pico could go and do great things. Fuck, Lionheart started his career like 5-5. Five and five, You know, so Aaron Pico at 4-3 and three doesn't uh, doesn't seem that bad to me. I think he's just doing it on the big stage. Like, these are his, this is his growth period. It's just happening on a big stage, which sucks. Uh, but I don't think Bellator is going to cut him. And, uh, and hopefully... They'll uh, they'll match him up with someone like a winnable fight. Like I said, they have trouble finding opponents for him, or they've said that in the past. But maybe now that he's shown some chicks in the armor, I think they're going to have some guys more willing to step up, and and then you're going to see what uh, what he can do. So there's that. Thank you guys so much for your questions. This was awesome, and uh, as always, you can you can send them to me anytime. You don't have to wait for the uh, for the tweet to come out. That fucking the voice uh, message link is always open. Appreciate any comments. 
And uh, without further ado, let's preview this next week's fight card in Greenville. All right, next Saturday, June 22nd, the UFC makes its return to Greenville, South Carolina. This is kind of a sleeper of a card. There's not a lot of big names, almost at all. But there's a lot of fun matchups, especially on the main card. So let's get right into it. Opening up the main card, we've got Ashley Yoder taking on Suri Kondo. Totally made, reminds me of uh, Marie Kondo, that fucking lady from Netflix. It's like, does it bring joy? Then keep it. Otherwise, throw it away. Probably a terrible uh, imitation, but that's fine. And looking looking into their uh, you know skill set and everything, it's kind of a pick 'em. It's really hard, but they're both on uh, on uh, somewhat losing streaks. I think this could be like a loser leaves town match, um, if that makes sense. And uh, I think Ashley, and, and this is hard. Like I almost didn't pick Ashley because so far she hasn't really impressed me. But she does have more UFC experience and more overall MMA experience. And for that reason, I'm going to pick um, Ashley Yoder to get it done here. And uh, I, I do like her, her interviews. She's a fun personality. So just for that reason, I hope she stays around and um, want to put that uh, out of the universe. So uh, Ashley Yoder, let's let's get it happening. And next up, we got uh, Kevin Holland taking on Alessio DeKirico. And... Um, had a bit of a hard time picking this one as well. I mean, I I I think good things of Kevin Holland. Um, he didn't look so good against um, Thiago Santos, but not a lot of people do. Uh, but his his other wins have been great. He likes to talk shit in the cage, which is always fun. Now, Alessio De Chirico is on a two fight win streak, the last of which is debatable. So. He he fought Oluwale Bamboje, KO'd him, but everyone does that, so not going to look into that one too much. But Julian Marquez, that fight, that was one of the weirdest decisions I've ever seen. That's up there with like Dominic Reyes and Vulcan uh, Uzdemir. I, and I remember like, so I like Julian Marquez a lot. Uh, he's a fun fighter. And he's a hell of a fun personality. I thought when he um, he made his UFC debut and he called out Tyron Woodley for a beard off, that was fucking incredible. Um, but he missed weight for this fight, I believe. Um, I want to say about like four or five pounds. And whenever that happens, I, I tend to root for the guy who made weight. Um, I don't know if there are other factors, but you know I, I hate when like a you know I feel like a heavier guy is going to have an advantage. But how can you say that he? lost that fight he Alessio de Chirico did not do enough to win in my opinion it was it was such a bad decision uh and it was a split decision so one judge agreed with me but uh so weird so for that reason I think I'm going to pick Kevin um Kevin has looked good in his last few fights he just beat Gerald Mearshart I mean that was a split decision but he did also submit John Phillips um and I think John Phillips is a is a talent. Um, that guy can fucking bang. And um, so that's a good win. I'm going to pick Kevin Holland. I think he can get it done here. Then we got uh, Andrea Lee taking on Montana De La Rosa. 
Another interesting fight at uh, flyweight, um, women's flyweight, of course. Both of them looking to climb the ranks. And biggest question for me coming into this is like, where's Andrea Lee's head at? Because they just uh, they just found her. Um, I don't know if it's fair to call her husband at this point, or if it's if it's ex husband, or I mean, obviously they haven't had time because he's just been on the run. But uh, I don't know her fugitive of a of a partner spouse um donnie aaron and uh that could be messing with her mind you know maybe she's got to do a lot of stuff regarding that that um can't focus on her training i am still going to pick her though i like her skills against montana de la rosa she um andrea lee's a former um lfa champion and uh was also um tearing up an invicta as well she was one of those fighters that they were able to like go back and forth which was cool and uh i, I like her skills a lot um, Montana De La Rosa has got great jiu-jitsu, but I think on Andrea Lee's got good enough defensive jiu-jitsu that she can get out of those positions and, and piece her up with that Muay Thai. So I, I, I can see that happen. I can see like maybe like a third round, uh, TKO for Andrea Lee. That would be, that would be impressive. But you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe Montana chokes her out in the first. Who knows? All right. We got Brian Barbarina versus Randy Brown. And um, Randy Brown's someone that I do like watching him fight. His last, uh, I don't know if his last fight, but his fight against Nico Price, where he um, got hit with those hammer fists from the bottom. That was tough to watch. That was tough to watch. And a lot of people are like, you know, you got to get out of that position. Maybe he just, maybe Nico Price just hits that hard that he kind of like lost his fucking bearings for a second. You know, I don't know, but I did see him beat the brakes off Mickey Gall at MSG at uh, UFC 217. Um, that was a fucking dominating performance, and um, I was I was high on Mickey Gall. I thought Mickey Gall was gonna choke him out, and um, yeah, he proved me wrong. But uh, I am picking Brian Barberina. I think he's gonna do violent things. <laughs> I mean, if he puts on a performance like he did against Vicente Luque. I mean, Vicente Luque is technical enough that he was able to um, out outpoint Barbarina, but I I don't see that happening for Randy Brown. I think Brian Barbarina is going to bring that pressure. He's going to bring the pace. He's going to bring a storm, and um, he may even get a a finish late in the rounds. You know, I'm expecting him to do barbaric things. Speaking of barbaric things, John Lineker versus Rob Font. Now, this is a rematch, and it's also late notice. Um, John Lineker did win their first fight. It was uh, in Brazil. It was by decision, so that could have played a factor in it as far as like hometown judging. But um, John Lineker, man, I almost never pick against that guy. He's just so fucking violent. And Rob Font's a hell of a fighter, too. I mean, he did, he did get stopped by um, a Sunsaw recently, which was kind of bad. And um, he is on a full camp, so I could very much see myself eating my words and, and Rob Font getting it done, maybe even early. He's fresher. But John Lineker is going to bring a storm. He's going to bring a storm. And that just may be enough. You know what's going to bring a fucking storm? The zombie, Korean zombie, 
uh, versus Hinata Moikano, the main event. And this is a hell of a main event as far as I think it's going to turn into a hell of a fight. Like name-wise, people were so disappointed. There were people that were you know in the South Carolina area that like canceled their trip because they were planning on seeing this card, hoping a big name would come, hoping Wonderboy would come. But that's what happens when you risk uh, Wonderboy taking a fight against Anthony Pettis and getting knocked the fuck out with a Superman punch. I mean, if he didn't take that fight, absolutely he's headlining this this card. There's no doubt in my mind. Even if they push the Pettis fight to to now, of course, then we wouldn't get you know Pettis versus Diaz, which is one of the best fights you can make. But um, Korean Zombie versus Hinato Mokano is a, is a great fight. I could see Hinato Mokano out pointing him. Um, he's a little bit more of a technical striker than Zombie is. And uh, he's got good jiu-jitsu as well, which is another good attribute of uh, Korean Zombie. Of course, he's got that uh, twister against Leonard Garcia, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, but um, Korean Zombie is another one of those guys I'll never pick against. Um, just such a fan favorite. Just comes forward. Doesn't give a fuck. I think he walks through Hanato's punches um, and beats the fuck out of him. I think it, I think this is going to probably go all five rounds. I think it's going to be a great fight. But let's see. Let's see. Oh, you know what? I thought we were done with listener questions, ladies and gentlemen. We had a late submission from Smokey J, friend of the program. Now, if this were anyone else, I would say, sorry, you missed out. That segment passed. That ship has sailed, but Smokey J always delivers uh, from fucking Australia, and let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Fighting With Myself podcast, it's Smokey J here from Australia. There's a lot of good questions that could be asked this week about the UFC, but I'll save them for somebody else because there's some bare-knuckle boxing on. Artem Lobov versus Polly Malinagi. The goat versus the fucking goose. Who do you think wins it, man? How do you see it playing out? Bye. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I played this question. Shouts to Smokey J. Uh, one of the one of my favorite follows on on Twitter. If you if you haven't go follow that guy. His his whole bad drawings uh, thing. I think I talked about this already, but um, they're fucking great, um, dude. I forgot about the bare knuckle boxing, mostly because I'm, I'm never gonna pick um, that over the UFC. So obviously I'm gonna be talking about um, the UFC Greenville card. But dude, Artem Lobov, must see TV anytime he fights. Don't care where it is, in a backyard, in a fucking plane, uh, in a ring, in a cage, whatever. And Pauli Malinaji is probably the most, the, probably the person I most want to see get their ass kicked right now. Um, I can't think of anyone else I'd rather see get beat the fuck up. I think he's disrespectful as shit. He fucking spit at Artem? Are you kidding me? a bitch and for that reason I got Artem now my feelings about Polly aside he is a talented boxer of course he hasn't been boxing in a while so we don't know how he's going to look uh, 
but he could very well piece Artem the fuck up. And apparently they have to wear gloves for this because it's in Florida. So, so many, so many like weird questions about this. If it's straight bare knuckle, um, I think um, Artem has a better chance because he's used to that. But uh, with them having to wear gloves, oh, God, I gotta think it favors Polly. God, I fucking hate this. You know what? Fuck it. I'll still pick the goat. I love his. I loved his call when he was like, "Fucking pussy plucks his eyebrows." I'm gonna KO him. Love it, dude. That's a great way to end the show. Talking about Artem piecing up Polly Malinaji, or possibly getting pieced up himself. I think Artem's not gonna give a fuck. I don't think it matters if uh, Polly starts winning. I think I think Artem makes it a dog fight, and that's what I'm excited about. Fuck. Can't believe I almost forgot that. Thank you, Smokey J. You're the man. And I guess that wraps it up here. Always follow me on Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Also on Instagram. Don't really post on there. But um, if you're only on Instagram, you can find me there. Always submit questions there as well. Um, And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave me a goddamn five-star review, will you? With a positive, uh, with a positive comment, huh? Jesus, you guys are the best. Um, thank you for uh, going on this journey with me. We're going all the way to the top. And with that, good night and good fights.